heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Last week, I was talking about Bob Yandian. He was teaching on, on uh, faith one time when we were, we were working in the church. And uh, he said, when, you, when he came to the word unto, it means, he's, the way he described it, it means resulting in or leading to. For with the heart one believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth, <clears throat> excuse me, with the mouth confession is made, resulting in salvation. Now, just keep that keep that in mind. I think that would that would be um, very beneficial if you remember that. Maybe maybe even put it in in. Uh, Margin, if you have a margin, seems like they are making the margins littler and littler. So this this text uh, refers to. Now, let me let me say say this. Uh, this text refers to confession and salvation. Let's say it this way. This is the first door that you walk through when you get born again. This is the way that it works. You believe in your heart and you say with your mouth and you're born again. Can we get some more light up here? Light. E. Okay. Um, but... Remember this, this is the first step, but you never uh, leave this step. This is the way things work. Believe in your heart and you say with your mouth. It's not just a one-time deal. This is the way faith works. So, uh, he's referring to, to confession and salvation in this text. And um, this is true concerning everything that we receive from the Lord. You say, well, why? Well, because uh, all that you receive from God comes the same way. Hello? Everything you get from God comes the same way, through faith. Okay. Let me see. Romans 5, it's back up there. I believe it's Romans 5. Verse 1, Therefore, having been justified or made righteous by faith, we have peace. And if you back up into uh, chapter 4, he talks about Abraham and God's dealing with Abraham. In verse 17, uh, it talks about calling things that are not as though they were. That's the way faith works. 
Do we need to go out for coffee or what? What was that? Did I hear an amen over here? I'll meet you in the car and we'll be back over here in 15 minutes. <laughs> but in, in Romans 4, it talks about how God dealt with Abraham, leading him into faith and got him. He, he said, okay, listen, now we've been at this for years now and you don't seem to catch it, bud. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to change your name from Abram to Abraham. Every time he met somebody, hey, hi, my name is Abraham, father of nations. And it went from, from by the time he changed his name and Abraham started confessing, he was the father of nations. It took eight, nine, let's see, nine, ten months and he had a child. And he had been fooling with, fooling with this thing for years before that. God came to him and he says, uh, look, Abraham's talking to God, said, look, uh, uh, he, he talked about seeing, seeing I go childless. And he was talking about how everything would, be re would revert back over to his, uh, his servant. And he, he gave, he, when he said that, he let the cat out of the bag. <coughs> Seeing I go childless. See, this, that's what he was seeing. He wasn't seeing what God said. That I will make you a father of nations. He was talking about millions of people, and Abraham was struggling with one. He couldn't see the one child. So he says, okay, you want to play that game? I'm going to call you Abraham from now on. So how are you going to get away from that? Now your name is Father of Nations. And when he started saying that, within 10 months, she... Uh, Sarah was pregnant and had a child. What was the name of that child? You know what Isaac means? He was the child, he was the redempt, he was the, he was the, um, Child of redemption. His name was Laughter. Now this is one of my wife's rabbit trails. But uh, just remember this. Whenever the Holy Spirit falls in here and people start laughing, never walk out criticizing. We're laughing because of our plan of redemption. We are, re we are the redeemed. And at that, you have the right to laugh. Woo, glory. Anyway, moving, moving along. Um, 
With the heart, man believes for healing, and with the mouth, confession is made. With the heart, man believes unto the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And with the mouth, confession is made. Everything you receive from God comes the same way. Look with me at Mark eleven twenty three. 23. The same thought appears here in this verse, but um, there's so much you know, and you might think, wow, I've, I've already squeezed this orange till there's no more juice coming out. Well, I've been squeezing this thing for over 40 years, and it's still got juice in it. I was seeing some things the other day, not the other day, it was a couple of weeks ago. I thought, glory to God. You just have to keep working on it. You've got to keep going, going to the well to draw water. Mark eleven twenty three. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say. Now, you know, I know all of you pretty much. I've talked to you. And I know uh, there's times your voice may be, a, may be a little raspy or, you know, you've got laryngitis, but you're still talking. You can still say. Everyone in here can say that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe. Shall believe. You know, if, if, if I... Uh, tell Bruce, I want you to come over to my house Tuesday night. We're going to have supper. We're going to have something cooked out on the grill. You, it, you'll like it. It's going to be really good. And, and see, listen to him. I, he's already talking about coming. I'm joking. This is, a, this is an example. <laughs> I think Doc is trying to get in on this. <laughs> he wants to come come to the house to eat. Anyway, so okay. Now let, this is an example. I tell him that he's expecting. He's expecting. He's believing because I said something to him. He's believing. Okay? It says, Whosoever shall say and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe. Okay? Shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he believes. Huh? What? He shall have whatsoever he saith. You know, this, this is so full. If we would take, our, take the time, like an old cow, chewing cud, 
you know, they keep working on it and working on it and working on it. Because there's things that you might pass over, and you've read it so many times. But notice in this text, Jesus mentions believing one time, but he talks about saying in one, one degree or another, say, saith, three times. Brother Hagen taught us, he said the Lord, the Lord was dealing with him. He says, you're going to have to, he, he took him to the scripture, and he read it. He says, you know, I've never seen that before. Saying is there three times. And the Lord says, believing is in there once, but saying is in there three times. You're going to have to do three times as much preaching on confessing than you do believing. You have to do three times as much saying as you do believing. Now, my wife came to me last night. She says, would you like me to make you a protein shake? <laughs> she, she came and she said something. I had to say something. Okay, you've got to, she came, and, she came and asked me twice, do you want, do I want a protein shake? She keeps at it. You know, if you're believing for something, then you need to do more saying what you're believing for. And not only that, you need to see what you're saying. I was listening to Charles Capps this morning, and he was talking about in, in uh, Genesis 1, God said and he saw. You know, you need to see before you get. Seeing helps you in your saying. Seeing helps you to develop what you're saying, what, what, what's your picture, a picture of what you're believing for. My wife's up here doing more than anybody else. What's going on with you guys this morning? This is one of the major places that uh, where more believers miss it in their saying. You don't want to say it in front of somebody, which would probably be a good thing. Go in your bedroom and shut the door. Just you and the, you and the Lord talk. Nowhere in the Bible do you see, uh, does, it, does it teach that if you believe you're going to get something? Nowhere in the Bible does it teach that if you, if you just believe, 
You know, when, when, uh, when she makes that protein thing for me, there's things that she puts in it. And if you don't put some things in it, it you can taste it. This, this, this uh, recipe here, you believe, you say, you don't just, just believe. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that if you just believe with your heart, you'll get an answer. It talks about believing in your heart and saying with your mouth. Romans 10.8 But what saith it? The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Notice it's got to be in your mouth before it gets in your heart. With the mouth, you help develop what you're seeing. Few Christians recognize the place confession holds in our life. You know that, that it's, it, you know, it's unfortunate that whenever we use the word confess, a lot of people only think about the negative, the negative aspect of confessing. Confessing our sins, confessing weaknesses, failures. This is, this is the negative side. Let me use one of these shinier ones. Here's George. You notice there's, there's two sides to this coin? Confession has a negative side, but we don't spend our time there. Let me, let me rephrase that. We don't spend the majority of our time on the negative aspect. Even though there's two sides, and one, one side is very necessary, if you miss it, go and repent, confess your sins. 1 John 1, 9, that's a necessary part. I won't ask for, you, I won't ask for a show of hands of how many of you have never, never missed it. You've never had to go and con confess, confess your sins. then we'd have to give an altar call for liars. <laughs> now, there's the negative side, but there's also the positive side. And that's the side that we need to spend more time on. The Bible has more to say about the positive side of confession than the negative. Now listen to this real close. We should live, um, I should just, let me rephrase that. We should not live only on the negative side of confession. Or, or we grow lopsided in, in, in our Christian walk 
We're, we, we are building weaknesses. We're building weaknesses when we, when we major on the negative. We're building sin and failure consciousness into our spirit. Okay? Christianity is called the great confession. Let me back up here. Um, Lydia and I are guilty of being raised Baptist. I don't need your comments. <laughs> That's the problem. When I come over on this side, she, there she is on the front row. <sighs> but there were positive things that uh, Brother Hagen talked about, Aretha. He said, you know, he was, he was, she was raised Methodist. And he says, you know, I'm thankful for the Methodists because they gave me a good wife. I have to say that about the Baptists. I don't know if I can say it like that. God told me, he said, she's the one I have prepared for you. So he worked through the Baptist to get her to me. Okay, now, moving right along. Uh, after I got filled with the Spirit, you know, I, uh, I remember some of the things that I heard growing up about how much error there was. Be careful. There's error out there. People are, are out there trying to deceive you, you know, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, uh, I was so hungry. Oh, dear God, I was so hungry. And uh, they told me, somebody told me about two bookstores in Madrid and where they were. And, you know, so anyway, I went to this charismatic bookstore that one of the missionaries had. And uh, I was seeing all these books, and they, were, they had a, interesting titles, beautiful colors, you know. And, um, but I didn't know any of these names. I grew up with Ironside and Criswell and some of those people, you know. And, and so I get in, the, in these bookstores, and, and I'm seeing names of people. I had no clue who they were. And so uh, my fingers were just kind of, and I bought two or three books. And, and then I went to the other guy's bookstore. And when you walk through the front door of his apartment, there was this book table. And he had, a, had these books spread out. And then there were cassettes over here. And uh, Brother Hagen's, bless his heart, I, I very highly respect him. But the covers on his books were <laughs> at the very beginning. That was when they were like 50 cents a piece. But they were just blah. But the titles were good. And uh, so anyway, um, I got some of Brother Hagen's bunch of his his books and started reading them. 
See how distracting you are? I'm, I'm trying to remember, where am I going with this? I get over there and I see her and I go. Um, oh, this, this guy, the, the, he was a GI, uh, worked on the base. Uh, and uh, I met him one time. He came down, came up to our base to recover his cassettes. I bought the cassettes not knowing this was his library. And so he wanted his library back. And I wasn't that thrilled with giving them back. But anyway, uh, you know, I got to talking to this guy. And uh, to see how the word was working in him, Oh, my goodness. I just really like this guy. I mean, he just oozed with positiveness. And, you know, he, he, what, what he was doing was he was taking what Brother Hagin was teaching and he was embracing it and making it his. And, you know, I really couldn't do that with those charismatic books. I would, I would get them, and I'd start reading them, and I'd put it down. I just couldn't really pick it back up and get into it. But Brother Hagen's was not like that. Uh, you know, you, you, can, you can dwell on the negative, and you can, you can build that into your heart, and it'll, it'll work negative for you. Christianity is called the Great Confession. Now, what is confession? First of all, it's affirming something that we believe. Now, I, Brother Hagen gave us these, these, some of these steps when we were going to school, and uh, I wrote them down, one, two, three, but it took me a while to get a hold of what he was saying. Affirming something that we believe. I believe I'm a child of God. I'm born again. Number two. I mean, that's just not even scratching the surface. Secondly, it's testifying to something that we know. My sins are forgiven. My name is written in the book of life. I know where I'm going when I die. No question. Three, it's witnessing to a truth that we've embraced. You know, you, you have to know some, know Let me, let me back up. But, but we must know what we are to confess. <coughs> Confession centers around five areas. Number one, what God in Christ wrought for us in the plan of redemption. Oh my goodness. That one thing could fill up notebooks, 
Oh my goodness. So much that he has, he has done for us in the plan of redemption. Secondly, what God through the word and the Holy Spirit wrought for us in the new birth in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What has he done for you in the, in the new birth? What has he done for you? He's washed away your sins. He's given you a brand new spirit. I, I was looking at something the other day. Uh, do we still have a sin nature now that we're born again? Please. You know, I've, I've, I've talked to people. They swear they still uh, have a sin nature now that they're born again. How can you be born again and still have the old nature? You know, people do things as a sinner because there's something in them driving them. But when you get born again, that drive is gone. Now, you may have it in your head. That was a habit pattern you knew and you live for a long time. But the Bible says, renew your mind with the Word. You're not supposed to behave like that, and you know it. You've got something in your knower that says, eh, eh, eh. you know better. And if you're paying attention, you go, no, I'm not doing it. Okay, what are we on? Two or three? Three. The third, the third thing that our confession centers around is what we are to God the Father in Christ Jesus. What are you to the Father now that you're in Christ? The Bible says that I am the apple of His eye. Uh, borrow your Bible. I didn't know any better. I'd think you'd read this. you got a lot back here. In the epistles of John... since I've read that. It talks about how that He has lavished upon us His love. 
how that the Father has lavished. You know, First John. No wonder I was in the wrong book completely. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Notice it says, He lavished. He didn't come with an eyedropper and go, That's, what, that's something that we have in our relationship with Him. He has, you know, He loves us so much that He lavished. Let that sink in. Let that get down in you. Lavished. I won't ask for a show of hands. How many of you use shampoo in the morning? And you just barely get a little bit in there and you go. That's not lavish. You know, when you pour. You understand? It's not being cheap. Not being stingy. He lavished on us his love. Anyway, let's, let's go on. Number four. What Jesus is doing for us now, seated at the right hand of the Father, where he ever lives to make intercession for us. He, he comes before the Father on your behalf when you make a confession, when you're confessing the word for something, he approaches the Father on your behalf as your representative in the throne room. Talk about a good lawyer. Whew. And he comes on your behalf and says, Father, here's what they're saying. And here's what your word has said. Dear God. Number five. What God can do through us, this is, remember what our confession centers around these things. And here's number five. What God can do through us or what His Word will do through our lips. Telling you, you should, you know, just, just these five things right here, you should be able to fill up. You need to know these things intimately. You cannot confess, confess to or witness about things that you do not have any knowledge of. If, if you stood before a lawyer and he started grilling you about something, if you don't know about it, you just crumble right there. 
If you, if you are a witness in a courtroom, it's what you have seen and heard yourself that counts. Your opinion is not accepted as evidence. Well, I think... No. What do you know? What have you seen? You know, the, the lawyer can start grilling you about something, and you say, no, it didn't happen that way. It happened like this. I saw it. Likewise, it's what you personally know about the Lord Jesus Christ and what you are in Him that counts. You know, I keep talking about you need to know who you are in Christ. Because when the enemy comes at you, and starts harassing you and starts lying in your face and this and that, I just need to, I start, need to start pulling out who I am. I'm covered in the blood, devil. It's the same blood that stripped you of, of everything that you've got. And I've been, it's been given to me to use against you. You don't know that. What are you going to do? Likewise, it's, it's what you personally know about the Lord Jesus Christ and what you are in Him that counts. You know, a lot of people know, the, know that the Lord is their personal Savior, but they don't know what their privileges are. That's great that you know you're saved. What, what, what are your rights and privileges? The Bible says we are seated at the right hand of the Father in Christ. That seating represents something. Because I'm in Christ... And I am seated next to the Father. I am seated at His right hand. That represents a, a position of power. Okay, you're seated. Big deal. What can you do? Hello? What can you do with that? See, that's what counts. Because we're still here. See what Lydia was saying something about, about it this morning. Don't, don't cry for those that have gone ahead. They're in heaven. He, she was saying that now... Their eyes are opened and they see. They see things now. With that knowledge.
Well, what does that mean? I have a feeling Father has more uh, lined up for us. He's, he's going to recreate, everything is going to be consumed with fire. And uh, he's, he's going to build, he's going to have a new heaven, a new earth. Well, you look up in the heavens and what do you see if you get away from the lights of, lights of the city? All kind, how many billions of stars are there? Um, did he put those there just for looks? I mean, you know, he's a good decorator. Or, or, or does he have in mind population? Being like Adam and Eve. Okay, now I want you to increase. I want, I want the garden to spread out and cover the earth. I want you to, to, to pop, a, pop. I want the righteous people to populate this. Do you think maybe God has, has plans for us when we leave? I mean, we're not just going to sit around and shoot the breeze for eternity. I mean, that could, that could be nice. I mean, we're in heaven. We're in his presence. I wouldn't complain. But I have a feeling that he, he is um, looking for the faithful ones that he can entrust to go out and repopulate. Moving right along, I can see this is going over real big. Um, in studying through, through the New Testament, I'm giving you homework, okay? In studying, through going through the New Testament, primarily the epistles, um, because that's, that's written to the church, go and find, as you read, Underline the expression in him, in Christ, in whom. And the moment you find these and you begin to, set, begin to confess that, say, this is who I am. This is what I am. This is what I have. This is what I can do. Now, for those of you that are uh, not real stimulated, you can go into the bookstore and find one of these, and it has it written in the back. You won't find one like this. This is mine. The other ones are about this big. So, you can find, find in Christ, in Him, in the Beloved, in the Lord, in whom, by Christ, by Him, by, my, by Himself, and on and on and on. And it talks about who we are. This is what it looks like. That'll save you a lot of time, I'm sure. So, if you'll, if you'll do this and you begin to uh, make these confessions, stick with it. If you'll do that, I guarantee you that before long, your life will be so different. I guarantee you. 
We are not trying to get redemption. Okay? Stop crying and begging God for stuff. You don't need to, to do that. You've already got it. Ephesians 1, 6, 7, and 8. In Him we have. We have. That's present possession. Present tense. In Him we have redemption. Through His blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace which He made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence. Now, what are we, what are we redeemed from? You know, I, I, there's a lot of people, they'll, they'll say, well, we're redeemed from sin. Well, yes, that's, but that's, that's just a very small part of our redemption. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ hath, hath, past tense, redeemed us. You ought to make that personal. Has redeemed me from the curse of the law, being made a curse for me, for it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. We are redeemed from the curse of the law. Now, the word redeem or redeemed is a word I don't think that we use very much in our present vocabulary. Am I right or wrong? It's not, not a, a word that we use very often. So, it's not something real familiar. Let me, let me give you some terms and write this down. Don't just sit there and look at me. <clears throat> this, these are from the Strong's Concordance, and it's, it's used uh, for the word redeem or redeemed. Uh -huh. This is G1805, G meaning Greek, 1805 in the Strong's Concordance. Redeemed, it means to buy up. In other words, ransom. It figured, figured, figuratively, it's, it is to rescue from loss. And in, in, in brackets, improve opportunity. Okay? To redeem by payment of a price to recover from the power of another. Well, that's, that's, that's beautiful. But it doesn't fit in the uh, margin very well. But if you think about it, to redeem by payment of a price to recover from the power of another. Guess who? It means to buy up. It means to buy up for oneself. Now here's the two that I really wanted you to, to write down. It means to deliver or to rescue. Christ has rescued me 
from the curse of the law. He has delivered me from the curse. Let me read this to you from uh, the Wade translation. Galatians 3, 13 and 14. Christ at his own cost delivered us from the curse of the law having for our having for our sake submitted to its curse because it's written cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree uh, hangs on a gibbet um, you say what is a gibbet you know they 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 had the romans had two ways of crucifixion uh, they had this stake that you you were hung like this, you know, or like this. You say, well, that's not, that's, the Bible says he, Christ has redeemed us from the curse. Yeah, it is. Okay, let's go on. Let me not get off, off on this. In order that upon the Gentiles there might come in, in Jesus Christ the blessing pronounced upon Abraham. You get that? That's why he went to the cross for us. Christ at his own cost delivered us from the curse of the law having for our sakes submitted to, the, to its curse in order that upon, upon the Gentiles there might come in, in Jesus Christ the blessing pronounced upon Abraham. Now, when, when you see the word law, usually that is a reference to the first five books uh, of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Okay? The curse or punishment for breaking God's law is threefold. You know what they are? Poverty. Sickness and the second death. Spiritual death. But Christ has redeemed us from poverty. He's redeemed us from the curse of sickness and disease. He has redeemed us from the curse of spiritual death. You say, this is a common thing. People say, well, if he cursed, if he Redeem me from the curse. Why am I still sick? Why am I still having problems with money? Well, it's what we just got through talking about a while ago. All of the blessings come the same way. By faith. Some people, you know, they, they say uh, material or financial blessings were for the Jews only. That was a promise to the Jews. Let me see here. Let me read this to you out of the New Living Translation. Galatians 3.
13 and 14. Listen to the way this is worded. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took up on himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it's written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who, who is hung on the tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham. I got one, one hallelujah. Two. The rest of you asleep? Soak it in. So that we who are believers might receive the promise, promised Holy Spirit through faith. Abraham's blessings was threefold. It was, first of all, it was material, financial blessings. And if you follow Abraham, Abram, because it was, it was at the beginning of, of his life, Galatians, what is it, Genesis 14, it talks about he was wealthy in silver and gold and cattle, that was one, he caught that one quick. He worked on that one. Secondly, it was a physical blessing. In other words, health and healing. Third, it was a spiritual blessing. Over in, over in the, the New Testament, 3 John 2 it agrees with, with, with what, uh, what we've been talking about, material, financial, physical, spiritual prosperity. The King James says this, Beloved, I wish above all things... Now remember, it tells us over in Timothy that all Scripture is given to us by uh, utterance, by inspiration. God in, inspired the writers and they wrote what was given to them. Now think about that. So what we're, what we're saying here is this is, this is the, uh, the Lord speaking through the writer to us. Can we agree on that? Yes. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. You know, people make a big fuss about prosperity teaching. But notice what the Holy Spirit is saying through the, through the author here. First thing he hits, prosperity. I, I wish above all things that you may prosper. I heard, I heard Fred Price say this a number of years ago. He, he changed from the King James to the New King James in a lot of things. And he said, you know, really, I like the New King James more because of the way that it's worded. It's, it's more inclusive. 
New King James says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. Prosper in all things. I've, I've met people that were married, and that's all I can say about it. They were married. And then I've met people that were married, and they had a growing, prospering relationship with their spouse. Which is better? You want a relationship like that with your children. Because when they leave home, I want them to come back. Or call a lot. Now, let me ask you this. Didn't God put everything that's here, here? Did he? Really weak response, which tells me you're not sure. No, I'm asking, and nobody's agreeing. I'm not hearing any response, which tells me you don't really know. So, thank you, Michael. I'm talking to the ones that are not up with you. The psalm says this. The reason I'm saying this like this is because if you don't know, you're not going to take it. You're not going to possess. Because if you don't know that you can have it, then you won't reach out and take it. Because you're afraid I might be wrong. Now, if we can show it to you from the scriptures that you're right, that means you can take it. And you can take just as much as you want, as much as you can believe for. Now, some people say, well, you're, that's materialism. You're preaching materialism. Let me ask you this. <clears throat> when people are, in, people are in need of food and help, Who's going to help them? The rich sinner? No. Because they got it, and they ain't going to give it to you. It's mine. I work for it. <clears throat> now, is that right or not? A lot of times it is. In the, in the book of Psalms, it says that the world and the fullness thereof is God's. Right? I believe that's Psalms 4. The Bible says that the gold and the silver and the cattle on a thousand hills are the Lord's. Go back and read, uh, I believe it's Genesis 2 or 3. God's out for a walk with, with Adam. And he says, Adam, the gold here is good. What's he saying? 
No, he's giving him a heads up. I'm going to give you a wife. The gold here is good. So if, if it wasn't Adam's, if the gold and silver wasn't for him, why would God point it out? And he goes and he, he points out a lot of the, the, the uh, stones, different kinds of stones that are valuable, we consider valuable today. The Bible says that the gold and the silver and the cattle on a thousand hills are the Lord's. So the question is, for whom did God make all these things? Just think, don't answer. Who did he make all this stuff for? Who was there in the beginning? Adam and Eve, the righteous. Is that not right? Go back and read, read it. God made the world and the fullness thereof. Then he made Adam and said, Adam, I give you dominion over all of it. Read it closely in Genesis 1, 26, 20, 28. Over the cattle on a thousand hills, over the silver, the gold, the world, and the fullness thereof. So my question is, how come the devil in his crowd has it all? The majority of it, they do. Because Adam committed high treason and sold out to the devil, and Satan became the god of this world. Second Corinthians... 4.4, 4, Satan is referred to as the God of this world. In 1 Corinthians uh, 15.45, Jesus is called the last Adam, and it says the last Adam came to redeem us from the hand of, the, hand of Satan. This is, this is Romans 5.17 out of the New Living Translation. For the sin of this one man, Adam, Cause death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it, listen close, for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Let me read this to you from the Weymouth translation. Those who receive God's overflowing grace and the gift of righteousness reign as kings in life through the one individual, Christ Jesus. Now, if you go back and you read uh, Romans, let's see, Romans 5, I think it is. Yes, Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been made right with God 
right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into a place of under, undeserved privilege where we now stand. Where we now stand. And we see that it's by faith we come in and we receive So what he's saying is, we have dominion over our life. Now listen, let this soak in. We are to dominate, not be dominated. We are to dominate circumstances. Poverty is not supposed to dominate or reign over us. We're to rule and reign over poverty. Let me th throw, throw a couple more scriptures at you and we're closed. Galatians 3.29 And if you are Christ, in other words, you're His possession, and if you are Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. I'm speaking to every born again person here today. James, uh, James, Galatians 3.17, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. So thank God the blessing of Abraham is mine. I'm not sure about the rest of you. God put the cattle and the silver and the gold and everything else on this earth for His people. <clears throat> you know, I had um, I had heard of this, but I thought, no, that just can't be. A lot of churches when they have have guest speakers they are so tight it's not funny. Brother Hagen would the Lord would tell him to go to go to a particular church to preach. He says, Lord, I don't want to go there. Last time I went, they only gave me $15, you know, for a week, week of meetings. $15. He's got a family to feed, bills to pay. You know why they're so tight? They have been taught, Lord, you keep him humble, we'll keep him poor. That's not, a, that's not funny. They're cutting their own throat. When they're treating God's people like that, they're cutting off the blessing coming to them. 
I was playing racquetball with the uh, First Assembly pastor a few years ago. And we were walking around over at JUCO. We were walking around the track. And I thought, I've got nothing to lose. I'll ask. I said, whenever you have guest speakers in, um, what's an average offering that you give to them? And he's just walking along. He told me what it was, and I about dropped my false teeth. <laughs> I don't have any false teeth. Anyway, I could not believe. I thought, you know, we, we take care of our guest speakers. Good. The Lord told me, told me one time, he said, if you'll, if you'll always treat my men and women as the best, I'll see to it that you always get the best. You know, we turn down, turn down a lot of people that want to come that, that are well known. I just don't click with them and I don't, they don't seem to leave anything here so I don't want them. And uh, we, we get all kinds of people. People, who was it? Somebody at Seminary said, you know, I told them who we had, who we had had in our church and they looked at me and they said come on close your mouth and they, they, they couldn't believe it. how did you get them I asked them I have friends that, in, that tell them to come here Richard Roberts you know Jerry Savelle different people Joe Morris a lot of people and they come and they feed us and, you know, we walk out <laughs> having had a good spiritual diet, good meal. Let's all stand. I'm, I'm keep, keeping you too long. Four minutes after 12, I'll get you out of here so you can go to, go to the Dairy Queen. Father, we bless you this morning. We are so thankful to you for the provisions that you have made for us, for all that we have in our redemptive, redemptive plan with you. We glorify you, Father. And we thank you that we are increasing in the knowledge of the Lord. We are growing that you can use us. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Return and greet, greet somebody like you mean it.